It's time to grab the bull by the horns. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is for you. Welcome to Beer and Bullshit. It's Thursday, March 16th. I'm your host, Ben Johnson. Uh, hi. How have you been? How's your week? I've got a great show for you this week. Uh, but first, I just want to say hi, check in, and say thanks. I've been getting a lot of great feedback uh, about the show. And people seem to be genuinely excited that this weird little hobby of mine is back. And so that is super cool to hear. Thank you for your positive comments. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Also, if you are digging the show and you haven't yet, please take the time to rate the show on Apple Podcasts. That really helps uh, other people find the show. And so it helps me. Um, Also, if you've been listening to the show this season... You know, I'm trying to uh, hand off a little slice of the show to my friend and co-host, Chris Pellerin, who's, again, not here this week. Uh, but we do want I do want to keep plugging away with Pell's Corner. It is going to find its groove, people. And you can help. If you have suggestions for Pell's Corner, a little game we could play, uh, if you want to send us moral conundrums or sexually awkward scenarios for future games of Would You Rather please do okay we have an email account set up at holler at beer i will read every email that comes in even the filthy ones so if you have suggestions if you need advice if you have beer questions uh for future listener mail episodes which we will probably do more of those again this year please holler at us that's holler at beer also, sources say that the sound quality was better last episode. So I'm trying. I'm glad to hear I'm figuring some shit out, apparently. Uh, I have some really, really exciting news coming about that, too. I can't reveal too much just yet. But I will say there's an excellent chance that future episodes of this show will be professionally recorded Ooh, ominous teaser. Exciting stuff. Uh, I have, I'm having a beer. I hope you're having a beer settling into the show, unless you're driving, in which case I hope you're drinking vodka. <laughs> I'm joking. Joking, bud. Uh, no, I'm having a beer. Tomorrow is St. Patrick's Day, uh, the 17th. Either the best or worst day for drinking in bars, depending on your perspective. Uh, I feel like after age maybe, let's say, 29, it tends to feel more like the worst day to be out in a bar. There's crowds, there's sloppiness. Uh, I'm not going to go full-blown grump old man on you today. Uh, I'll go halfway, though, and talk for a second about green beer. Green beer is definitely a a divisive subject. Uh, The origins of when and where green beer started and started to be a St. Patrick's Day thing are murky. Uh, but most people agree it was a professor named Thomas H. Curtin who made green beer for his clubhouse in New York back in 1914. 
Also, I wish I lived at a time when grown men and professors could have clubhouses. I want a clubhouse. Uh, there's also a 1910 account in Spokane uh, and the press cursing green beer that was being served to patriotic Irish Americans. And then by, I guess, the 1950s, green beer was mainstream symbol of St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I think it's important to note it was a uniquely American mainstream symbol of St. Patrick's Day. There's an article in United Free Press International, sorry, United Press International, noting that the gimmicky introduction of beer to revelers in Dublin uh, happened as late as 1985. 1985, 1985. So St. Patrick's Day, a day that is intended to commemorate a well-respected 5th century priest who tried to convert the Irish people to Christianity and was made a saint. Something to do with snakes in there too? I don't even know. But then, of course, the day became an excuse to disregard the restrictions of Lent. And so it became a piss-up because everyone would drink alcohol and feast. Um, but it wasn't until at least 1,450 years after St. Patrick's death that some American professor in his weird clubhouse put green dye in a beer and made it a thing. What I'm saying, if there's something to be said for what I'm saying, is that there's a lot of opinions on green beer. Some people say it's a really good way to ruin a beer. Uh, some people saying, let people have their harmless fun. Why are you so angry, Ben? Let people have their harmless fun. Uh, but I think we should really all consider it's not a celebration of anything really Irish so much as it is an American thing. And I think most Canadians would agree we don't give too much of a shit about American things. So maybe leave the dye out of your beverage this year, okay? Better yet, just drink Guinness. It's a great fucking beer. Guinness is in my top three volume lately. I'm just crushing Guinness. It's lovely. Anyway, happy St. Patrick's Day. However you choose to celebrate. Unless you're drinking green beer, you fucking bastard. I'm just kidding. Have fun. Okay, end of rant. Uh, let's get on with the show. Tonight I'm chatting with co-founder and co-owner of Matron Fine Beer in Bloomfield, uh, that's in Prince Edward County for the uninitiated, Justin De Silva, uh, along with his partner Mallory Jones and Jessica Nettleton, they started Matron in Bloomfield in 2019. Uh, honestly, I was excited to talk to an ownership team that is two-thirds female, and all three were lined up to be on the call tonight, but Justin and Mallory have a two-year-old as does Jessica, as luck would have it. So everyone that owns Matron has a two-year-old. Uh, so childcare demands meant the ladies couldn't join the call. Uh, it was still very nice to chat with Justin, of course. Um, I'm just I'm trying to bring some more female voices to the show this season, which isn't as easy as you think in craft beer, okay? But I, I was a, a little just a little disappointed. Uh, Justin's still great, of course. We had a great talk. He's a cool dude. Uh, they have a cool company going, and they make great beer. Uh, I've still never been to Matron, so I'm aiming to fix that this spring when they release the Hefeweizen they just brewed. We get to that on the show, so stay tuned. Um, here's my chat with Justin. You guys helped me get my first draft keg to London, which was had a very storied journey. <laughs> From... From tooth and nail, right? From tooth yeah. and nail to your place, your place to Godspeed. 
And then oddly enough, uh, food writer Suresh Doss got it from yeah. Godspeed to Indy. And then Milos picked it up in Indy. <laughs> it was a very well-traveled keg of Vim and Vigor before it hit my garage. Seriously, yeah. It was delicious. Uh, pulled, pulled a lot of favors to get that there, right? Eh? <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, it was good, though. Um, That's great. I feel like you you and I met in person like a hundred years ago. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like we hung out at an, at the Ontario Crappers conference when you were just about to open stone city, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe right after we opened stone city. You had a Somewhere hats already. There. Cause I still have the hat that the owner gave yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. It's a great yeah. hat. <laughs> it's a good hat. That was an <laughs> iconic hat for a while. Yeah. Yeah. But also you guys, you were walking in with me and I remember the organizers of the Ontario craft brewers were like, you can't bring your friends in here. I'm like, <laughs> like they're not, they're, they're brewers. Like they're brewery. It's <laughs> kind of hilarious. No friends of mine. Yeah. I don't know if you guys looked like uh hooligans that were trying to tag along, but I do recall that you almost got like blocked from going into the party. Yeah. I didn't have quite as much facial hair then. So they probably didn't think I was like a, a real brewer. Right. <laughs> so, I also didn't know because I, you know, I creeped your LinkedIn. You're going to see that I looked at your LinkedIn. I didn't realize where you came from. Uh, I knew you had a background in beer, but I didn't know that you did uh, some time in sales at Nickelbrook. I knew you're at Beyond the Pale, Clock yeah. Tower, brewing positions at both of those, and then and sales at, at Nickelbrook. Uh, correct. Yeah. Um, I, you know, was doing brewing stuff and met the, the guys at Nickelbrook. I want to say like an Ottawa beer festival or something like that, or the food and wine show or some events that probably doesn't happen anymore. And uh, they were looking for a salesperson out in Ottawa. And, you know, I, I knew beer pretty well and spent some time with Ryan and, and John and, you know, they, they filled me full of uh, Imperial stout that night. And I guess I could, <laughs> hold my own after like you know a heavy night of drinking this stuff and they were like you know what you might be a good sales rep i think you <laughs> that's all, the all criteria. it takes this you guy know, pounded no, beer we... all night he'd probably be good at yeah. sales <laughs> yeah kept his uh kept his shit together and uh you know can still talk about beer so nice um yeah i did i did a few i was at nickelbrook for a few years and kind of saw that side of the industry and I still kind of kept my foot in the door. Like I worked part-time at uh, Beyond the Pale. They needed someone just to help with some brewing operation stuff there. So um, that was when they were in their like tiny little brewery. Yeah. So yeah, I kept it, kept myself in the brew house a bit and kind of saw that side of the industry as well, which was, was cool. And um, was trying to get, you know, as much of a picture for what the beer industry was at that point in my career was that kind of was um, it kind of on your radar to do your own thing or just happened that you were getting kind of a little bit taste of everything um yeah i mean like i feel like as a, a brewer like once you get that taste for you know knowing how to make beer and and like understanding it and like you know i could maybe do this for myself like it's just a like dream in your head like you know i wanted to know all aspects of it before you know, I felt comfortable going off on my own. And mm -hmm. at that point, like it still felt really far away, but, uh, but it felt like it was, you know, pro progress working towards that. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and working with Nickelbrook was fun. It was, 
it was cool. It was a good experience. And, you know, I, I learned a lot working with those guys. Um, I feel like, I feel like what you just said that as a person who just learned to make beer, you always have a little bit of a, I could do this on my own. I feel like that's actually extremely rare. <laughs> There's like so many brewers that are pretty content to just keep their head down and brew beer. Like, I would say there's a, a lot of people brew beer and they have no interest in doing it commercially. I don't want to talk about home brewers because who fucking cares about home brewers? <laughs> but I mean, there's people who are like, no, I just want to make it. I don't want to have anything to do with the sales part of it. Like there's head brewers I've tried to interview at really big breweries. I'm like, nobody even knows about you. And they're like, I don't give a shit. Like, I don't want to be on a blog. So I think what you just said, like, I, you obviously had some idea you wanted to do your own thing because I don't think that's as common as you're making it out to be. Yeah, fair, fair enough. <laughs> well, I guess uh, otherwise there'd be even more breweries in Ontario. But <laughs> yeah, um, you know, at that point, I've I've always liked the idea of of you know working for myself, I guess, and you know doing something of of my own creation with you know people that I like to be around and building a team and stuff. So. Yeah, you know, Mallory and I and Jess, uh, we'd all been working in the beer industry for a while and, you know, kind of been through the, you know, ups and downs of working for other people. And at this point, it kind of, a few things started to fall into place. And it was like, you know, I think it's time to, to get this ball rolling and do it for ourselves. So, yeah, I mean, on paper, it. your story looks like a romantic fantasy of what, craft brewing looks like from the outside you're like i worked for a bunch of breweries then i opened a brewery in an idyllic place and married this woman and we have our small children and we get local ingredients like it sounds amazing like (laughs) maybe that's the instagram version of it but it looks pretty good sure yeah (laughs) yeah that's the instagram version of it (laughs) yeah so how did you all meet i know that mallory was at stone city as well right yeah, well, Mallory and I, like, we're, we've known each other since high school. We're high okay. school sweethearts. Oh, so, really? You guys have, so I was going to say, was it a, a brewery romance or came before and you no. guys kind of worked? Okay. Yeah, she, she was like, had like a, a grown up job, I'll say, like working in the um, digital creative agency world, marketing, design, that kind of stuff, uh, yeah. e commerce and all that. And, uh, I had the opportunity. I was working for Nickelberg at the time, and got hooked in Beyond the Pale, and got hooked up with uh, the former owner of Stone City. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I started doing some consulting work for him, and you know, one thing led to another, and we were making progress on opening the brewery. And so, uh, you know, the opportunity to move to Kingston was there, and put that out there with Mallory, and she was like, you know what? ready for a change and she she came on board to help with uh kind of management and and creative direction uh with stone city but um she she ended up handling a lot of you know the the marketing and and sales that were involved at social at stone city but um but yeah creative creative stuff is is always a hard thing with some owners so yeah I feel like Stone City had a good vibe. I mean, like brand, you were making good beers. Like I, I, everything I remember having from Stone City was good. And I always was like, this, 
I mean, it's stupid to come back to the hat, but it was indicative of the brand and the labels were cool too. And that is important, obviously. Yeah. yeah that was, I mean, like uh, a lot of that was, was Bowie and I collaborating on that with our, our designer as well, Vince. And yeah, we had, we had a good little thing going. It was a lot of fun, you know, putting out tons of different beers. And that was kind of, you know, where we were at in our career, having a little, being in a brew pub setting, you're like, we can just, create and it will it will sell one way or another right mm -hmm. uh, but it it lacked a bit of focus like we did so much different stuff that i want to say after like five years of it like we're like what else do we make now you know <laughs> like yeah. where do we go from here um so you know when push came to shove and we were starting our own thing it was like what do we do like what what's what's it when it's ours like when it is our brewery so we kind of picked like you know these are our our favorite beers that we made at Bell city and let's explore that um and we during the build out of of uh matron we went to visit mallory's sister in australia and we bought this little you know book from um good beer hunting podcast I don't know if you've heard of this podcast. Yep, I <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was like Keeping the Farm and Farmhouse Brewing. It was uh, by Marika. I think her name is. She's the owner of Scratch Brewing in Illinois. And she was talking about, you know, essentially like the industrialization of farmhouse beer and like how it's not supposed to be made this way. And, um, you know, it should revolve and be like based on local ingredients and using well water and like, you know, keeping these philosophies alive and like that really spoke to us and like you know when I was thinking about like the beers and like my favorite beers we made at Stone City it was you know particularly this one beer it was like a single hop uh pale ale that we did with centennial hops from Pleasant Valley Farms like you know these guys are like down the road from us and we wanted to work with them we're like we need to work closer with them and you know we need to, to incorporate barn owl into everything that we do and you know, we have escarpment over in Guelph that, you know, is doing great things for the Ontario beer industry. And we're one of the few breweries in, I think maybe the only brewery in Prince Edward County that has a well that you know, we draw water from to brew with. Hmm. Um, so, you know, it kind of, kind of all came together and we're like, you know, this, this is what we need to focus on. This is our focus. And we can kind of create within those confined so to speak yeah so i and i know that when you opened that was the idea sourcing as many yeah. ingredients locally as possible my question is always like did that actually prove sustainable and are you still doing it because i've heard 14 million versions of what you just said and then people are like ah, we don't really do that anymore like it's always <laughs> like i like in 2012 when bellwoods was just starting to brew beer they were growing their own hops on the rooftop in Ossington and they got all kinds of press about it. And like, this is not sustainable. You're not going to brew beer. And they're like, well, no, yeah, no. but it's news. It's press. We're doing stuff while we wait for beer to sell. Brock Shepard, when he was uh, the head of Kensington Brewing Company, same deal. Hops grown in Kensington. Market. That's crazy. There's no fucking way you're ever <laughs> going to make beer with that. And like, even on the crazier side of things, like the guy Duggan, Mike Duggan, who opened Duggan's and it was from Mill Street. When I went to interview him, when he opened his place in Parkdale, he was like, 
I'm going to have a brewery on a farm. We're going to make, we're going to grow all our own ingredients and we're going to have a restaurant where we cook only animals that are on the, I'm like, you're never going to fucking do this. So everything you, you said, you need a, a billionaire bankroll to, yeah, to make that happen. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you've, you, I mean, you talked about early on, I think Pleasant Valley hops is local, right. And, and Barnell malt is that proved sustainable? Like, is that, have you stuck to the model? Uh, you know, as much as we can, we, we're not like, we're not like a hundred percent local everything. We right, do it as hard, much yeah. as we can and we try to use it as like a, as inspiration for what we do. So, yeah. um, you know, if we, we've grown to a certain size that like we, we buy most of Pleasant Valley's hops, like we are their largest customer um which is great uh we can circle back on that in a second because i have some there's some changes happening there uh barn owl you know we we work with them he's got like basically you know a couple handfuls of clients now that basically keep him busy all the time so we're fortunate to be a part of his business and work with him quite a bit uh, but we also you know, if we can't source stuff from him or, you know, Janky, our core IPAs and the LCBO, like we would, we would occupy a lot of his time of his produce or sorry, production if we did 100% Barnell malt in Janky. So mm -hmm. we do like, uh, you know, a bit of country malt group, Canadian uh, Pilsner malt in that, you know, as a base malt kind of you know build off that and use his pale ale malt as kind of like the substance and like the the backbone of that beer so you kind of got to like know where to split and like you know where to use local ingredients and when not to um otherwise it's not sustainable otherwise you know we're going to be running out of beer and right. tapping our suppliers out um as far as pleasant valley hops as i was saying you know they've been amazing to work with they grow hands down the best hops in ontario in my opinion and uh we just found out though that the crop that we just took in this year is going to be the last crop that we're going to get from them they're oh, no. hanging up their farming boots so to speak you know and no one's taking Which, it on uh as of right now not entirely um, mike doug was... is gonna buy that farm <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe they won't sell it but um you know we we were kind of like you know spiraling a little bit when we found this out because you know the last the last few years have had their their ups and downs there's been some hiccups i don't know if you've known um okay we made it 20 minutes it's usually about a 10 to 20 before yeah. COVID. <laughs> i didn't i didn't bring it up you brought it up <laughs> yeah um but uh you know so there's been a lot of a lot of uh stuff to figure out but you know this one was like ah, you know we've been working so hard like when we started the brewery um you know they were sitting on surplus of crop from previous years and we were like we want to get you back to square one we wanted to zero you out so we bought all of their surplus hops and you know used like the older crop in there in like hot side additions and well packaged, well grown, well harvested hops. So, you know, they were great for that. And then, you know, the newer stuff we'd use on the dry hopping side of things. And, and we got through all of that hops. So they were at like zero going into, I guess, 2020, um, that harvest. And, uh, and then like, you know, a lot of that got sold out to other breweries and stuff, which was fine. And then 
And the next year we were like, great, let's buy up most of that crop. So we bought up probably three quarters of the crop from them. Um, you know, 2022 comes around, we buy that crop and they're, they're older, like they're in their probably like late fifties kind of starting to think about, you know, what's next. They're kids, uh, they're I thinking a school, one of them's becoming an architect and stuff like they're not taking over the farm basically. Mm. So, uh, I think, uh, Edgar, he had an offer from one of his clients. He does a lot of vineyard management. He's like all the best wineries in the County work with him. Um, one of his new clients offered him like a position to run their, their vineyard. So he accepted and that's kind of like, you know, his, his plan, he's going to sell off the rest of the farm, I guess, or, you know, get rid of the, the crowns to other hop farms. So we met with Wolf Island hop farm in Wolf Island, just on the other side of the uh, water from Kingston. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like, you know, they might purchase some of their crowns um and grow some of the varieties that we bought so hopefully we can transfer that over to those guys which it's not down the road you know these guys right. like pleasant valley is literally like 20 minutes away but mm. uh but it's still close they're like an hour away so if we can keep a local hop source that'd be great we also met with hey ho farms out uh out near lake erie and uh had a great conversation with them and and they grow some of the stuff that we're after. Um, so, you know, we'll, we're figuring it out. It's not as local, but we're still pretty committed to, to keeping the Ontario in our beer. Um, do, you, do you find that that, I mean, obviously I can respect supporting local business, but do you find it limits you? And that maybe that's the argument, like, you know, the best hops grow on the West coast. Is that bullshit? Or do you find that like you're, you're, you're in a lane because you only work with X amount of suppliers? Um, yeah, I mean, like the West coast does grow amazing hops, but right. I feel like every other beer can show you, show you that. Right. Right. Ever, everyone's using Citra, Mosaic, Galaxy from Australia or from Yakima or whatever. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, our focus is to try to showcase like the stuff that the terroir, the the produce that grows in Ontario and beer that's like from Ontario. Uh, do we use other hops in our beer? Yeah. Janky. We use mosaic in there. Um, you know, it, it keeps it modern. It keeps it relevant. It helps also helps us from like having all of our beers taste like too similar. Uh, you know, but the base is like 75% of the hop bill on that beer is Pleasant Valley hops. Hmm kind of use it to like accentuate certain flavors you know um do i miss using other hops sometimes yeah <laughs> uh it, it is limiting sometimes but like there's also some like there's a certain amount of creativity that's spawned from like working within constraints and working with focus so you know i do appreciate that but uh but yeah some some days i'm like man i wish i could just like do this and I, I mean, I own my own brewery, so like we can, we can do that. Right. Well, this is the million dollar question. Yeah. Do, cust do customers care? <laughs> I mean, 
That's always the question. I don't know, man. Do they? <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. I mean, I think the people that invest in, in like invest their emotionally or whatever, like loyalty into craft beer, it's because you have these stories, because you're a small business, because they know the people behind it. So the people that take the time to learn what you're all about, 100%, they're going to buy into that. But that's always the question is like, you're doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff. You're making life a little harder for yourself, to be honest. And you got to ask yourself all the time, like, is this, does this, yeah, yeah, you're just nodding away. This is an audio medium, but yes, you're nodding. But yeah, the Joe Blow customer that comes in is like, is he going to care that you got the hops from 20 minutes away? I mean, I guess that's the question yeah, of craft know. beer. <laughs> yeah, that is the question of craft beer. I certainly, uh, you know, I've been asking myself that a lot lately. I feel like craft beer is in like such a weird place. Um, I think we're like post craft, if I could coin a term. Like, I don't know if craft beer is gone, but like all the things that we yeah. held dear are so fucked now. Like, every brewery seems to be for sale. Like, no, everyone who was like, I'll never fucking sell out. They're all like, like, literally have had breweries buy me email <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> breweries have asked me, like, do you hear anything? Does anyone looking for a brewery? I'm like, am I going to help you sell your brewery? But like, <laughs> you can go online right now and probably find four or five Ontario breweries online. But things have changed yeah. a lot. Things have changed a lot, and you know I'm sure, like it's is bound to happen, like a, a somewhat of a reckoning of you know market maturity, saturation, mm-hmm. like you know whatever term you want to throw on it. I don't know where we're at exactly, but but there is a lot of breweries, and there's you know there's a lot of good beer out there now. So it's mm-hmm. a harder landscape to compete in. Also, the hospitality industry is in like a pretty a pretty hard place people aren't spending the way that they used to you know there's yeah. a recession happening right like like the luxuries are going to go and people want simplicity and comfort right now so like drinking like expensive beer is maybe the thing that they're cutting right we're also being hit left right and center to like stop drinking yeah uh, from you know all sorts of sources and no one, no one in craft beer was claiming that alcohol was good for you. Okay, <laughs> that's exactly my point. Like we knew <laughs> this yeah, changes the, the benefit. The benefit of alcohol is the relaxation. You know, yeah, it's not some health product. Like it's, I know, and this is my fun. problem when I see beers positioned as like a recovery drink or like a healthy drink. I'm like, it's fucking beer. If you're gonna have a beer, just enjoy it. Don't try to find yeah the lightest calorie beer or the beer with electrolytes added it's this fucking beer like enjoy like tell your me beer. tell me french fries are good for me you know like <laughs> a cheeseburger is good for me yeah, there's yeah. protein in the burger and like whatever potatoes are a vegetable but like yeah you know, there's there's minerals and vitamins and beer but it's also like it's also just a relaxant the social yeah. ritual right there it's is a psychological uh, benefit to beer yeah. it's not for a health benefit yeah take a sip take a drink while we talk about yeah. this <laughs> but it's true no one thought we were doing the right thing before like i mean i was struggling with the old guidelines so give me a minute you know to catch up <laughs> but yes it is, a, yeah. is a, it's a crazy time i mean your costs of ingredients have skyrocketed uh there is a you know, a tax increase that doesn't really affect brewers that are smaller. It's mostly a, a big brewer problem. Uh, supply yeah. chain, 
maybe there's a benefit to having your stuff to 20 minutes down the road. A lot of people got fucked over by supply chain issues and you probably didn't, but yes. Yeah. I, I see where you're from. yeah we've, we've seen some stability I'd say from uh, our suppliers locally that we haven't seen a like huge price increase. I recently just got like a small price increase from our multiplier, but like it wasn't, wasn't like painful, but it, it is painful. It's like death by a thousand cuts when, I want to say like every week I'm getting like a supplier that's like, this is more expensive. You know, cardboard's more expensive. Hands are more expensive. Like, yeah, you know, uh, yeast is up 30%. <laughs> like, like it's, it's a lot. And then, and then you start getting hit with uh, like trucking surcharges and stuff. I think everyone's making more money except for us at this point. <laughs> uh, you start and like you want these prices, I guess. That's it. But it's like, you know, how do we, I feel like we already make a premium beer. Like how do you raise the price even more on it? Uh, when, when everyone's hurting for money or everyone can't afford stuff, you know, they're having to make decisions about what groceries to buy. Um, so we're trying to be as consistent and try to save costs in other places, but you know, ultimately we've had to raise the price on some of our beers, like most of our, our new special release stuff. We've, we've upped the price a little bit uh, to make it on point with essentially our IPA that's in the LCBO. Like we can't raise that one too much. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's kind of the, the reality of doing business right now. And you know, hopefully it'll change. Yeah. Uh, I've been told by country malt group that, uh, that we will see barley prices going back down. So that's, that's nice. Sweet. We'll wait for all the beer yeah. prices to go down again too, right? Yeah. It'd be great <laughs> if like the Ontario government could step in and just be like, you know what? We're going to lower your beer taxes. I don't think they, <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened. No. The lower, and everyone's the making a fuss beer. about federal beer taxes and they lower the price floor. Yeah. There's, yeah. 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 The federal I, beer taxes like are honestly like, you know, piss in the pot. Like it's nothing. If you're not a nothing. massive brewery that's making, like 2.5 million hectoliters of beer, it's not a big deal. Like, and they also no. had record profits last year, like yeah. up 300% from the year before. Like, fuck off. It's yeah. Like to put it in perspective, I think for the the average Joe listener out there, like you know, we'll pay a couple hundred dollars a month in excise tax for a brewery of our size, and you know, for for provincial beer tax, we pay like thousands and thousands of dollars like ten thousand plus dollars on like a month in the, in the summertime you know and we're not a very big brewery and that's and we're one of like 300 plus breweries out there right right so you know yeah. it's like no it's uh, crazy i don't know why i think i don't know why the beer canada lobby has decided to go hard on the federal escalating tax when the provincial tax is right there like maybe because it's yeah. a canadian group but like there's yeah. bigger fish to fry. If you really want to help Canadian brewers, there's so many bigger issues than this. Yeah, hey, Doug Ford, I know you're a big fan. <laughs> Lower the taxes. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> the Ford family listens to my show for sure. <laughs> I know he does. <laughs> okay, let's stop talking about the dark and the dreary and let's talk yeah. about the bright and the beautiful because yeah. uh, I feel like design plays into your business model quite a bit. Maybe I'm guessing maybe this is where your two co-founders could probably help us out with the conversation if they weren't tending to small children. Uh, yeah. 
But to me, again, this is my Instagram vision because I've, I've never had the benefit to visit you guys yet, but you guys are like a beautiful space. And I think it deliberately, there's a really nice aesthetic to your space. And I think everyone also agree you have a nice, simple, clean labels. So you, you obviously yeah. take a lot of stock in your brand and your appearance. Tell me, tell me how that like led, tell me how that became a big part of your business model. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mallory, my partner, her background is is like design world. So, you know, when we set out to make our you know, vision for the beer, like simplicity is, is critical for what we do. Like, I think as we matured as beer makers, it was like the best recipes we're making were, were simple. So when we wanted to, you know, have that uh, conveyed in our design, we also wanted this like, kind of simple minimalistic branding that wasn't all about like like logo and wasn't all about like you know like this is the logo that we paid for you know like it's not we have our logo on the back of the can very simple we have this kind of like mid-century-esque feel that uh our designers have put on it and um, I think it is representative of our beer and representative of, of like the place in which our brewery is located. Um, and that's kind of like the feel that we have in the cans. Uh, our brewery itself is on a farm. Uh, our main beer, Janky, like our best-selling IPA, Janky, is called Janky, which means, you know, kind of shitty and unreliable, <laughs> uh, based on the building. Like, when you come to our brewery, you come down this bumpy ass dirt road. You're like, where am I going? What is this like building at the end of it? It looks slightly decrepit at first. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is an old agricultural building, but then, you know, we've renovated the hell out of the inside and you come in and it, it is very like simple, modern, almost like Scandinavian feeling inside. There's a big marble bar, like huge mirror behind the you know draft system. and um you know we wanted this kind of like juxtaposition essentially between this like agrarian outside and you know this like nice clean modern inside um and you know it's not covered in logos it's like sometimes people are there like what brewery am i at again like, yeah. yeah maybe we should put more signs up <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was like that was like our like i don't know fucking hipster thought when we first opened that people will know where they are you know like they gotta <laughs> know about us <laughs> now we're like okay people are people need signs we need more signs so yeah. we put we finally put in a road sign like year three last year so now we have like a road sign nice people know where we are well yeah. i get yeah no i dig i dig the vibe it's like i, I love yeah. the aesthetic maybe it's because you know my house is once again cluttered with toys and stuff but like clean lines and sparse yeah. look it's oh god i love it uh one of the first times i think i think craft beer to be candid it doesn't look great all the time i think there's this like wacky we got to stand out on the shelves like the, in ontario was like smash bomb look at this big fucking cartoon of a bomb on the and i'm like oh i just tone yeah. it down and it wasn't until yeah. like honestly i went to um torst in brooklyn and it was just like marble mirror wood name of the beer written on the mirror i'm like ah it doesn't have to be fucking crazy and weird like just let the beer talk for itself i still think there's a lot of that in ontario there's a lot of great beers that are like 
this looks like a drawing from my yearbook. This looks like this, like, why does it have to be crazy and stupid? We're grownups. Like, yeah, people like it, but uh, I, I, I gravitate to simple. I like, I love, I love your labels. I love um, Anderson in London. All the cans are white. Yeah. Just all their yeah. beers are named IPA brown. So nice, clean, simple. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I certainly appreciate that aesthetic too. And, you know, we just want this kind of like, you know, like clean, mature, like nice can that it will it'll look good anywhere, you know, like in a, in a pub setting to like a fancy restaurant, like it's going to look good on the table um, and you're going to look better drinking it, right? Like you're going to look better <laughs> drinking it. <laughs> So do the people Guaranteed that you're drinking to make with. you more attractive when you drink yeah. it. Yeah. It makes the people you're with more attractive when you drink it, and it makes you okay. look more attractive when it's in your hand. That's your late. That's your logo. A big logo and that written under it, right behind the bar. That's Hang it. On. That's- Ice cold. Yeah. Are you a fan of cold, crisp, crushable beers? you listen to this show you know i am when i'm watching the game literally any game chess kids sports hockey there's only one beer that feels right to reach for and that's left field breweries ice cold beer it's made with 100 percent ontario ingredients so i can say i'm supporting local businesses while i watch my kid play t-ball Find ice cold beer at better beer establishments and LCBOs across Ontario, or pick up a four pack or two four directly from Leftfield Brewery in their bottle shop or online fan shop for the best per can price. And right now, beer and bullshit listeners get a free can koozie. Who doesn't love a good koozie? With any fan shop order over 55 bucks. Add the koozie to your cart and use the promo code BULLSHIT at checkout. Must be 19 years or older while supplies last. I, I I was excited to talk to a brewery that is, you know, 66% co-founded by women. Uh, so unfortunate that they're not here. It's going to be two dudes I talking know. about this, but I try so hard to not just get dudes on the podcast, but man, there's a lot of fucking dudes in craft beer. So here we are. <laughs> yeah. If you want to, you know, get them on for like a follow-up episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll have to. I'll like, have to. We're going to like a, two, like a Tuesday at like 11 a.m. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah i know yeah. but i mean you guys did uh i mean we can we can attempt to, we can attempt to talk about it we can attempt to be two uh, cis white men talking about women in beer but i mean you guys uh, deliberately establish your brewery with a nod to the feminine right you're called matron uh yeah. you talk about women's influence in beer uh the tradition of farmhouse brewing was traditionally something that women took on and you've you've made yeah. nods to that in the past um you kind of opened with an intentional effort to be a safe space. If I'm not putting yeah. words in your mouth, but that's what it felt like. Yeah. So like, has that translated to the way a you run your business and, and be the way people approach your business? Like, I mean, is there for a lack of a better word, a better vibe at matron? Yeah. I mean, uh, th- those were huge influences in why we opened a brewery. Um, you know, uh, Mallory, having worked in the beer space for many years uh, as women, like, and me working alongside them, like I, I saw what was, was happening, you know, like you go to a beer event and like, like people would like literally like 
shoulder them out of conversations because they didn't have a beard, you know, because they weren't a dude. And it was, you know, at first, like, you're a little naive to it. And then, like, you walk away from it and they're like, man, did you see that? And, like, start you start to notice it. And you're like, yeah, this is fucked up. Like, right. Like, why? Like, you know, they know just as much about beer, if not more than some of these dudes. And, like, you know, just based upon sex alone, like, they're being excluded from that. And, like, like where's where's the inclusivity? This is supposed to be, like, a, a different culture we're breeding in the craft beer industry, but it's, like, it's not at all. <laughs> so when we opened Matron, it was, like, now we want something that's that's welcoming and and safe and like you know inclusive to everyone um and that's kind of like been our ethos since day one um the name matron we wanted something that was like had femininity to it but was also strong uh and wasn't wasn't like you know um overly obvious i guess uh and matron has this kind of like there's almost like a a negative connotation to it when you look it up like you look up the definition matronly yeah matronly it's like sober old lady and like we had a we had a pretty good lol on that. <laughs> like, yeah. like you know what like we're gonna flip this on this head a little bit like you know matron ultimately is like someone who takes care of people and like looks after people is like in charge and you know we're like okay we can vibe with that um but then like the other the other side of it we're like it's pretty funny like and so a lot of our names have this kind of like almost double entendre to it mm-hmm. uh, fun fact when you first yeah. open so i have a co-host on the show who's again not here it's his birthday today so he's drinking somewhere i left him at a oh, hey, there's happy like a birthday yeah yeah happy birthday chris <laughs> there's an arcade uh, like a vintage arcade bar here in london so anyway we went through it with the kids and then he kept going so he's He's somewhere drinking. But when you first opened, he had never heard the name. I'm going to throw him under the bus. He'd never heard your name out loud. He's like, what did you got? What have you heard about Matrone? I'm like, Matrone? <laughs> do you get we that? We get that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, we do. Uh, sometimes like in the summertime, we'll get like you know, tourists that'll come in and they'll be like, all right, you need to settle this. Is it Matron or Matrone? And like it's Matron, like a matronly person. Yeah. like a mother not like patron no. tequila <laughs> no there's no accent on it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh um, nice well i mean i mean it, it you guys have been open what like feels like a longer than it it's only been like two or three years right how long have you guys been around uh yeah good question uh, <laughs> um, we are coming up to our fourth anniversary okay this summer nice. crazy yeah blows my mind uh, it feels like, you know, it's been forever. It feels like we've been doing this forever. Um, but then it also feels like it's just been a flash in the pan. Yeah. I mean, the two years of the pandemic or whatever, however many years, if it was like a yeah. hundred years. So time is meaningless. But I mean, warp. you've, it hasn't been too long since I would say you've established yourself as brewers of pretty high quality beer. I mean, if you look at, depending on the metrics that you think matter like untapped no i'm just kidding but like <laughs> like the like reviews have been good for sure if you care about that but you've also collaborated with i would say some of ontario's best or at least most popular beers like you guys 
have got a pretty good pedigree. Um, so you. to what, to what do you, to what would you attribute your success? Um, yeah, good question. Um, I think we, you know, value quality a lot in what we do and like, we don't put out anything that we're not proud of. We've been doing this for a while. Like, you know, I think some people had just heard about our brewery and hadn't known our backstory, but you know, like I've been, I've been brewing for 13 years now, maybe like, right. yeah, something like that. Uh, I've worked at a lot of different great breweries in the province and um, you know, done lots of different projects. So it's like, you know, the culmination of all my experience in the industry has, has led us to this. And, you know, we, we've made a lot of friends along the way. Like, you know, I, my close peers and, and people that I like downboard off of are, are brewers and owners and, you know, brewmasters at like some of the best breweries in, in the province, if not the country. So, um, yeah, we're, we're pretty fortunate to have a, a good circle of, of colleagues, I guess, that, that help raise us up and help support us. Um, yeah, we don't, we don't take collaboration lightly. Um, I know for a while it was just like, Hey, you know, piggybacking off each other, like let's collaborate, let's collaborate, let's do this, let's do that. And mm -hmm. it just kind of became like, you know, every beer that everyone was putting out was a collaboration brew. Um, which is fun. There's nothing wrong with that. But like when we do a collaboration, like, you know, it's, it's gotta be with people that like we see, uh, like, you know, they're, they're industry leaders, they're, they're the best in their field and they're like, uh, about quality as well and share common value. And, um, like we're going to go into it with an objective that we're going to learn something like both of us are going to like learn something from it. So that's uh, typically how we approach collaboration beers and, and often, uh, you know, the results are good. Like we have, we have great beers come out of it and I like, you know, makes it worthwhile to do. So um, like Bellwoods, for instance, like I've, you know, I, they're without a doubt, like probably the best known brewery in the province, if not Canada, we did, did a project with them, um, I guess at the end of last summer, we did a, a stylized IPA called Vanguard, and they've been playing around with this, uh, these style yeast quite a bit, and, you know, we hadn't at this point, so, uh, you know, they sent us a pitch and, you know, shared all this knowledge with us, and essentially we, we wrote a recipe together and executed it on our system, and, like, you know, the beer was, was really cool, and, and, like, I think our our consumer and fans like really enjoyed it um and like loved seeing us collaborate with with a brewery like bellwoods and we brewed a beer at bellwoods brew pub called extra cold and it was like uh it was supposed to be like a, a cold ipa cold pale ale kind of thing so mm -hmm. um you know and they hadn't really done anything in that that realm quite yet so um you know we all did something that was a little bit outside of our our wheelhouse, I guess. And, and that's kind of what we want to do when we do collaboration beers. So nice. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, working with, working with other breweries that, that kind of encourage you to learn and grow and, and, and do better stuff. Right. So that's, uh, I think how we've built 
a good reputation for ourselves with uh, with collaboration beers and and you know surrounding ourselves with good people. When you maybe this was still your still your mo, but you when you opened, you were uh, you said you would brew wildly aromatic IPAs concise lagers and elegant farmhouse ales this is directly from your pr material is that is that still the mission statement today or has that changed um that is typically those are like the three tiers of beers that we make that's like you know when we make a beer where does it fall so it gives that helps just give us a some guidance and some structure of like, you know, when people ask us what type of beers we make, it's like these are the beers that we make. Um, have we strayed outside of those a little bit? Um, like our our dark beer, Muff, as it is called, that one was a bit of a, that was a really cool beer for us. And um, I think not a lot of people understand the like story behind it. We we love a dark beer in the wintertime, you know, a lot of stout, um, but it doesn't fit into any of those styles, right? And it's like, how do we make a stout with our IPA ale yeast that's like hella fruity, like it's not going to translate well. Um, so we essentially like, you know, crafted like a recipe for like a really nice stout, but then we ferment it with our lager yeast at a slightly elevated temperature. Uh, which brings like a really cool character to the, the aroma of the beer and the flavor of the beer, but also imparts this amazing drinkability on it for a dark beer, having that like lager finish to it, right? Um, so like, you know, that kind of giving those constraints, like, oh, well, we need to make it work within these boxes. So essentially it's a lager. Our stout is a lager. Right. Um, but but it's not a dark lager okay yeah <laughs> it's a dark beer it's a dark beer it's something completely different but also uh, like no one cares about this distinction but you <laughs> like no one's like yeah, hey but dude, like no one you no one a cares. i read on your website that you don't make stuff it's like no one's gonna do that <laughs> no 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 one cares as much as we do right you know, well, that's what makes day. it good this is what yeah. makes it good uh, the breweries yeah. that uh i have known to be excellent I'm always shocked how much they care about things like this. Like yeah. uh, when I, when, when, when Luke and Mike and Bellwoods were really starting to like become, you know, really popular, like I would go see them and they were like, did you read this comment about someone said on blog to you about us? I'm like, why the fuck would you care what some <laughs> commenter on blog to you said? And then like, or like, um, I don't know if you know, Nick and Adil at beer lab here in London, but like, yeah they are hardcore dedicated to, you know, the small brewing lifestyle and their brewery. And they had to brew like uh, capacity elsewhere briefly. And they were like, so stressed about it. The fact that they had to ha- have someone else help them brew their beer somewhere else. And like, it was as though they had sold out to AB and Bev. I'm like, no one's going to care that you need volume production offsite, but they were like, that's how much they care. And the breweries sure, that yeah. I think that translate to like, you guys make really good beer. You give a shit about stuff that most people don't give a shit about. 
Yeah, I don't know if I've ever met a brewer, a deal's like technical knowledge. Oh my God, insane, right? Like anyone <laughs> I've ever met. Like, yeah. you know, I've been brewing a long time. Uh, I am like, I'm not going to say self talk because I've like worked under like very trained brewers, but I've never been to brewing school. And uh, like some of the stuff that he was talking about to me, I'm like, whoa okay yeah. you could be making up half of it to be honest i'm just nodding oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah same <laughs> yeah but but yeah he knows that he knows the shit he's, he's, he's a great. mad scientist uh, for sure yeah no but uh but yeah like you know that's that's kind of it and like we we made like uh a, a mild ale memento that was like kind of outside of our our wheelhouse but like that was like a beer that was like near and dear to our hearts that's like you know has been with us as a concept like through different stages of our career we made a similar ish beer at at stone city called uh, elder statesman i believe and you know it's it's different like we made it like matron like we used local ingredients in it we we lowered the alcohol on it if that's possible on a mild ale and um yeah it was is we used our, our IPA yeast in it, which is very expressive and fruity and brought its own character to it. Um, we have a Hefeweizen in the works. Uh, nice. that, that is like, you know, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mallory and Jess like love Hefeweizens and that for them were like, like one of those beers that got them into beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they've been, they've been on me for a while about, getting one brewed and it's like well it doesn't fit into the boxes and they're like fuck the boxes all right just make fuck the, the box there's your beer yeah, name <laughs> fuck the box half of <laughs> yeah and uh and you know we last may we hired um this gentleman bryce mcbain he the wildly talented brewer who has used to work for bows for a long time and he started healthy on barrel work um and you know he, he started he, the halcyon bear, bear yeah. work? okay and uh you know f- fun fact he was like he's like my beer mentor like we worked at the clock tower brew pub together like in 2010 yeah um and he he taught me like he instilled the passion in me so you know it was, it was very serendipitous that he ended up coming to work for us it was like we had always like you know, talked about one day opening a brewery together but you know our paths kind of separated us and he did his thing and we were doing our thing and then you know, came together again and he also loves Hefeweizen, and so he has been tasked with the execution and recipe development of this beer and awesome. uh, yeah it's it, it'll be beautiful like there's not a lot of nice Hefeweizens out there anymore you know I, there, love- I mean was there i mean i definitely remember where it was a thing and as you said it is a beer style that got a lot of people into craft beer, but there's yeah. like, if you're shortlisting the good ones, it's a pretty, like, there's not too many to choose from. No, not, not in regular production. And this probably won't yeah. be a regular production beer for us, but um, you know, like, like Denison's wheat beer back in the day, like, you know, 2010 was a great beer. You get that. That was so, side launch wheat is still good, man. They're still making side launch wheat. Specs. We drank we drank a ton of that when we were opening to read that and mountain lager. Mountain okay. lager. Oh, good. That. that was good. I was gutted when they took that at the LCBO. Well, supposedly it's coming back. Uh 
that local brewery equals here in London bought side launch. Uh, they have been talking uh, to Michael Hancock to make sure that whatever they do is true to his recipes. So for me, that's like a good sign. But if I'm going to get side launch wheat brewed in my hometown now to Michael Hancock's specs, I'm pretty happy with that. A mountain lager would that's be a, a nice bonus. <laughs> that would be a nice bonus. Yeah. Yeah. Those two beers are great beers. And like, yeah, when we were, when we were opening Natron, like, you know, we've been blessed working in the beer industry with having like a, a unadulterated access to free beer for a very mm-hmm. long time. And then like, you know, you're, you're opening a brewery and you're like, shit, now I gotta buy beer for a bit. <laughs> yeah. So, I bet you when we, you release the Hefeweizen, it will become one of your best sellers. That's my bet. Yeah, that's a crowd so. that's a crowd pleasing style and you guys i feel like you will do a good one though. Uh, i hope so it'll be good it'll be good i you know bryce is a fantastic brewer and i'm uh i'm nothing but confidence in his uh recipe and and uh yeah there's not a lot of them out there so nice. it'd be nice to have that just so, time for patio season okay that is my now i have a reason I mean, there's lots of reasons to come see your brewery, but now I have another reason. I finally got to get out there. Um, You guys, so you guys obviously have like, I don't want to say precious because it sounds condescending, but you have like a very like unique aesthetic. You have a vibe. You have a lot of care put into the beer. Uh, Every one of your co-founders has had a kid in the last two years. (laughs) A lot of your ability to give a fuck about the precious and the clean and the unique goes out the window when you have a kid. So like, how has your approach to your business changed since you've all become parents? Uh, great question. Um, yeah, it's a challenge to put this in more perspective too. Uh, Mallory and myself and Jess and her partner, we had kids within four days of each other. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't plan that shit. Um, <laughs> crazy that that happened uh so yeah that was that was a little nuts um it's kind of awesome though because at least you're not going through shit like and they don't get it or vice versa like you're in it together yeah we're we're all very understanding of that and and supportive and you know shit comes up and you know you just gotta deal with it sometimes so uh that's been you know we i think we still try to run the business we obviously have a little more staff support now than we did when we first had the kids. Um, but, uh, which is, you know, a different. I assume you mean housekeepers and nannies, right? Staff support. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. On our, on our huge brewery (laughs) owner salaries. (laughs) The house staff. Um, no, like, uh, and like, honestly, out in, out in Prince Edward County, this, this was a challenge at first. Like I was at the brewery a lot when we first had, kid and like you know Mallory and Jess like didn't take Matt leave like you know because they couldn't like we looked into it and they're like but you own a company like are you actually not gonna work and yeah. they're like uh like <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so they ended up you know like I think like at seven days old like Mallory was in the brewery with with our daughter Jasper and um you know so 
our, our brewery is pretty child friendly in a way like <laughs> not that there's like you know soft corners and right. like play mats everywhere i mean everything me. is like, child friendly when they're seven days old it's a bag of milk <laughs> yeah now now we have like a two-year-old who's like an adrenaline junkie and yep. just is like tearing around and climbing and jumping off everything but uh but yeah like you know, we, we do have staff in place now to like help us deal with the, the day-to-day and like the upkeep of the brewery, but like right. no one, no one does it like, like, like honestly, Mallory does it. Like she comes in there and she has a certain eye for things and she's like, no, this needs to get fixed. Like we need to do this and this needs to get moved. Like mm-hmm. this is not clean. <laughs> like, you know, or it's like, I can be in that space sometimes and just like be like buzzing around and be like, no idea what the hell is happening around me. Like, it's just like, you know, ADD bouncing between like I gotta go check this, I gotta do that, I gotta call this person, I gotta get back to this email, and it's like, you know, yeah. so it's it is a very much a team effort still, and like having a kid, uh, you know, it, it changes that, but like you know, it's still a public facing space, and like we gotta be there and, and keep it good. So yeah, you know, it is a it is a team effort though. You know, it's, it's, it's her, it's Jess, it's it's me, but it's also you know culmination of all of our staff and they're helping with us helping it too so that's that's what it was about it's not like we don't want it to be our show we want it to be you know a collective effort amongst all the people that work there um you know if i if i could pull on my my two brewers into the mix like i don't i don't brew really anymore like my background is brewing but you know, as a business owner, like I get pulled in so many different directions. I do a lot of sales stuff, you know, I, I deliver beer. <laughs> I do, you know, like, like every odd job that needs to be done in the brewery. So, um, you know, if I could pull my brewers in, like, you know, they, they're so talented and, and so good at what they do. Like I, I just kind of learned to like get out of the way a little bit and, you know, I'll help with recipe development and, and deciding what happens in there. But, you know, it's, all of us it is the whole team that is what matron is about it is about the collective nice well speaking of small kids and we both have them i'm conscious that it's late uh before we go i uh i was going to throw to this season either like a a dumb game or something we do with brewers but that was supposed to be my co-host job but i also like to do something where we recommend something so it doesn't have to be beer related and i'm putting you on the spot here but can you recommend a book a movie, something that you're digging right now, non-beer. I can go first if you need a minute. I'm just going to recommend some shit. Okay. Do you want me to go first? You got something? Yeah, you go first. You go first. Okay. I just I just finished a book. Uh, this is how I like make sure I keep reading. If I have to recommend something every week on my show, I'll keep reading books. So this helps me go. But I, I read a book called Eat Like a Fish. It's called Eat Like a Fish, My Adventures Farming the Ocean to Fight Climate Change. And it's about, um, he's a a newfie, his name is Bren Smith. And he uh, was in and out of like jail, didn't do school very well, found fishing and was like, this is my life. I'm a fisherman. Then he's like, this is not sustainable. I, I love the ocean. I love fishing, but fishing isn't sustainable. So then he found farm fishing and he's like, even this is insane because I've learned so much about farm fishing from this book. Like it takes like, you know, seven pounds of wild fish to feed one pound of, of farm fish. So he's like, this is ridiculous yeah. too. So he discovered what he calls regenerative ocean agriculture. 
I realize this sounds like the most boring book ever, but he's a really interesting cat because along the way he's getting in fights and he's fighting with local politicians. <laughs> but regenerative ocean agriculture is basically like growing a vertical farm in the water, like owning an acre and growing seaweed and mollusks and stuff and, and using that. And so along the way, he's a very blue collar dude, but he, he, you know, the hipsters love him because of his food and he's found that food scene and he's found this very sustainable way to grow food in the ocean. Awesome book. So I'm throwing it out there. Also, I learned the word marewar. So we all talk about terroir. Mm. Marewar is a thing. The taste of the ocean. The taste the of the ocean. ocean. Anyway, that's my book recommendation. That is uh, super cool. I'll have to <laughs> check that out. Um, my recommendation, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of time to read books these days. <laughs> I know. I get it. I get it. Um, but, uh, but I do listen to a lot of podcasts. Okay. So, um, there's this really great Survivor podcast. Shut up. <laughs> I'll do your bullshit. <laughs> Can we talk about episode one? Oh my god, it was really exciting. <laughs> I don't actually watch Survivor, but okay. I know I know that you do. So. Tease. <laughs> I'm, I'm flipping your channel a little bit. Yeah. Um, no, but but I've been listening to this. Uh, it it is uh, probably a pretty popular podcast, but I've just come across it recently. Um, it's on purpose with Jay Shetty, uh, and it's like a it's like a health podcast i guess and he talks a lot about like you know mental health and wellness which is like something that like you know i think we talk about at uh you know kind of a high level at work a lot um, mm -hmm. and uh yeah it's good he talks to a lot of different interesting guests i personally got into it because he talked to lewis hamilton the like formula one driver yep. and i'm a big big formula one fan so okay yeah, you know, I listened to that. And I was like, oh, this, this is a pretty good podcast. And I listened to a bunch of other episodes. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff he talks about. A lot of, like, you know, like, food for thought. On purpose? On purpose with Jay Shetty. And he's got this, like, you know, beautiful, like, accent. And he's, oh, he's listening that's important. all day. That's important. Yeah. I have discovered yeah. the, the Calm app during the pandemic for, like, guided okay. meditation and even just, like, background noise. But yeah. 98% of them are recorded by a woman whose voice I can't fucking stand. <laughs> so Ooh. it starts, it's like, yeah. welcome to guided meditation. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yes, voice, especially when it comes to mindfulness, the voice is important. Okay. Well, thank you yeah. for the recommendation. Thank mm -hmm. you for your time. My apologies yeah. to Mal and Jess. This wasn't supposed to be two dudes talking. I know. Again. Mallory, Mallory kind of bailed me out, to be honest, because I was really <laughs> struggling getting her child to bed. And she's like, like i'll i'll take it from here well, team player right. classic <laughs> classic yeah, yeah. okay yeah. well give them our regards and we'll have to have them on without you sometime all right sounds good okay Great thanks man thanks for having me yeah Appreciate it. take it easy all right bye. Take care, man. bye What do you want me to say?